Hey, thanks for listening. This is the Whaler Guys and our podcast, Shut Your Blowhole. This is podcast number 26. And Jerry and I always dedicated to a whaler who uh, wore the jersey of the same number of the podcast. And, of course, it's Ray Ferraro. Ray Ferraro, uh, you know, was such an integral part of that Adams division team. He, you know, he, he was that second line center, the third line center sometimes, who, uh, you know, made a lot of things happen. And, uh, boy, you know, I wish he had been a, his whaler his whole, whole career. What, do you have any great memories about uh, Ray Ferraro, Jerry? Well, good evening, everyone. And yes, uh, you know Ray. Ray was just like uh, when you look at Everson, Gavin, uh, Deneen. He was another gritty player that you know came out to play every single night. You know, uh, some people didn't like him that much, but you know, every every game I saw Ray Ferraro play in Hartford, uh, he really put he really put all his energy into every game. Uh, he was one of those guys that I would show up to actually go and see um, a game because you know you could really. You could really depend on Ray Ferraro to show up, kind of like uh, Pat Verbeek or, or Deneen, uh, and, and the leg line like uh, Everson and Gavin as well. Yeah, you know, I, I have one great memory of Ray Ferraro, and, the, and one of the reasons is because I, once one Whaler game in my life, I got to sit in the skybox, um, and uh, the Whalers were playing Quebec, and Ray Ferraro uh, shot the puck, and it actually went through the net and wrapped around the way it hit the net, it just kind of wrapped around. So it went, it went through the net and wrapped around. And people were, were, you know, they some people, you know, signaled the goal and some didn't. And they actually uh, had to look at the replay. And this is even way before replay. But it's, yeah. they, they checked the shot in the replay because everyone's showing up on the scoreboard. It actually went through the net. That was the first time I ever saw anyone shoot the puck through the net. You've, you maybe heard of that once or twice, but it's a rare thing. And you have to have like a rifle of a shot to do it, you know. That's awesome. You know, like we said, Ray was one of those guys that showed up. You know, and every time I saw him, you know, when he practiced at the rink in West Hartford, he was always nice to say hi. You know, he wasn't one of these guys that just blew off people watching. You know. Yeah. Um, but he was born. You know, he's born in 1964 from Trail, British Columbia, Canada. Uh, he was drafted by the Hartford Whalers in the 1982 draft, fifth round, fourth pick overall. Uh, 88th overall. And, you know, he started his career in 84, 85 with the Whalers, um, the Hartford Whalers. Uh, before that, was with Binghamton for a couple of years. Uh, you know, the first year he was up, he played 44 games, had 11 goals, 17 assists, and 28 points. You know, he went on to play for the Islanders. He went on to play for the Rangers. He went on to play for the Kings and ended up uh, playing for Atlanta and finishing his career uh, with the St. Louis Blues in 2001-2002. Wow. Uh, his career, uh, games played was 1,258 with, uh, it looks like 400, yeah, 408 goals, 490 assists for 898 total points. Wow. How many, how, how many, yeah, how many games? How many games? Yeah. Uh, 1,258. 1,250. Wow. So, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a great career. You know, I couldn't believe it cause he was drafted. You said like an 82, and then, really, yep. his last season was at 2000, 2002, 2001, yeah. 2002. So it's really like a 20-year career, just about. And, uh, yeah, and he, he fared pretty well. Yeah, you know, I, he, I think so, sure. I, I, don't, I don't remember any major injuries uh, that Ray Ferraro had. Uh, it was uh, disconcerting seeing him playing for other teams after the Whalers, of course. Yeah, yeah. And that was a bad trade, too, because if I recall correctly, we traded him to the Islanders for uh, – what was supposed to be a PowerPoint, uh, uh, a power play point man, uh, Doug Crossman, who was, 
you know, kind of past his prime and older, and I don't even think he stuck around with the Whalers long. And you you look at the career that Ferraro had after that, it was one of those, uh, it, it, you know, contributed just like the Francis trade. Those bad trades really, really hurt the Whalers in the early 90s. It was, it was uh, you know, set, up, set them up for bad teams in the future. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, and, and usually the people, after we we got rid of that core in the 86, 87, uh, really good season where we won the Adams division, any guy we got was a, was a, he was past his due. Yeah. And we were ready for the retirement home. Um, <laughs> you know, that's what, that's what really pisses me off is, you know, the Whalers had a great crew in, in the 86, 87. They won the Adams division. The people of Hartford and the community around us um, treated them as, um, Stanley Cup champions, even though we just won the Adams Division, but you know that year was just really stands out for us Whaler fans. You know, yeah, you know it's 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 like I said, it was a bad trade, but I do remember him being with the the Thrashers, and uh, you know he, he continued to be a you know pretty good decent scorer. Um, you know we yeah. we've, we've tried to connect connect with him through TSN and stuff, but uh, you know he's he's busy. But we did see him when he had a grandson with a uh, with a Whaler sweatshirt on on Twitter recently. Did you see that? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, yeah, you know, yeah, he, he still he still remembers his Whaler days, apparently. Yeah, yeah I'm glad he does. But uh, I can remember, um, you know, um, I think I think it was uh, Junior uh, Howard Baldwin Junior was telling me that uh, Ferraro was one of the guys that uh, was always fighting hard for a contract and always giving uh, Howard Baldwin Senior a rough time about the contract. So he said he was a he was a tough negotiator. So uh, <laughs> you know, he seemed like he was like one of those guys. And I tell you. He, his uh, reporting on TSN, he's, he's he's got a pretty good career there too. Well, I must say, I was uh, looking at some information about that '86 '87 uh, Whalers season, um, and one of the names that popped out is John Anderson. You remember uh, with the red mustache? And, yeah. You know, his, he is now um, uh, assistant coach with the Minnesota Wild, and uh, wow. we know uh, the Minnesota Wild uh, with the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets had the longest winning streak this season. Uh, they were going head to head for the longest winning streak, and uh, Columbus ended up beating them out in the in the streak. Um, but I think at the time Minnesota ended up having a 15 game winning streak, and, and uh, Columbus beat them out by I think one or two games because they after the race was over there. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of good Midwest teams in the uh, in the NHL now. I mean, it used to be you remember back in the day in the Norris Division, uh, those used to be some of the bad teams in the NHL. But uh, you know, you look at Minnesota and Columbus, like you said, and you know even St. Louis, and then you know Chicago, of course. Well, you know who really last week uh, had a great uh, seven or ten game winning streak is uh, Calgary Flames. Uh, I was watching some uh, highlights on the NHL Network, and Calgary is just was on fire uh, that they ended up having their 10th in a row that they won the other night. And, you know, it's not against any slouch teams. They, they really put the, uh, uh, put the lines together and had 10 great games where they, uh, they have a great winning streak. And to have that, you know, you, you, you see streaks here and there, but to have some significant winning streaks in the NHL these days, uh, is very hard to come by. Yeah, actually, I think, I think the record is held by the Flyers and I want to say it was, Oh gosh, it was no, early. I thought it was, Pitt- I thought it was Pittsburgh. Well, no, I'm, you know what? I'm sorry. You know, this is back when they had ties, so it was an oh. undefeated game streak. Uh, and oh, it was, okay. yeah, it was the Flyers. It was like the early '80s, and they actually went 25-0 and 10. So they tied 10 wow. times. 
but they were undefeated. For the, and this is, I think, the start of the season, so they went 35 games. But you'd never That's see fun. anything like that today. It's, it's like, impossible today, you know? No, and I was, uh, prior to doing the podcast with you, I was watching the, the beginning of the Nashville uh, and uh, Washington Capitals game. And uh, let me tell you, uh, Washington is quite... Uh, quite a team, and you know, like we've talked about, you know, in the off off camera shows, that uh, Washington, if they don't win the cup, they're it's a, like Ovechkin said, it's all for nothing. Yeah, they have a they have a great team. Yeah, and they just got the uh, you know Shattenkirk in that trade, and uh, yeah. you know he's a, he's a rental, so it's a now or never situation. And then uh, you know, I have to see where they go after that. But yeah, the playoffs look like they got you know great matchups this year. Uh, they seem just a, a little bit different and more interesting, I guess. So we'll have to see yeah. what happens. And it, took, it was really amusing. Um, after Washington picked up Shattenkirk, he took a uh, bonehead penalty and was suspended for, uh, <laughs> for two games. Yeah, could you imagine if he did that in the playoffs? I mean, it's bad enough in the regular wow. season, but, oh, gosh, so bad start it's, there. It's, it's bad enough that you're a rental. Now you're screwed. <laughs> And all the rumors are that he'll go to the Rangers after that, and boy, the Rangers could really use you know him. Well, you know, I I, I hope he doesn't go to Rangers. I hope someone else picks him up. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, he he's a great defenseman, right from uh, Greenwich, Connecticut, and played a lot of time here in Connecticut. So it's another Connecticut native that's doing rather well in the uh, in the NHL. Um, but you know, the other night had a hat trick for Pittsburgh too. That's another guy who's uh, still doing really well. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of good Connecticut players. It's really starting to pick up. Uh, you know, we have a good uh, good roster, and you can never forget about Jonathan Quick uh, over there in L.A. Well, he just he just came back from a significant injury, so uh, yeah. to have him back, he's really boosted um, boosted uh, L.A. Uh, since his return. So you know, looking at looking at what he's done since he came back. Uh, you know, the guy's amazing. Yeah. Uh, you just wonder how long he can last. Yeah. Yeah, and and I know that they're 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 like uh I think it was last time I saw like six points out of a playoff spot, so they really I mean they can't even afford to lose at all. I mean you gotta almost like uh run the table, you know, to get into the playoffs. No, but if, yeah, but if you were to look at where, where they were before he came back, they've made unbelievable strides. Yeah. Uh, watching watching them you can actually see how how well he's done and the, the team has just surrounded him. I'm looking at the statistics now uh, with the NHL standings and uh, right now in the Atlantic division it's uh, Montreal 86 points followed by the Senators 85 with the Bruins yeah, in third place with the 82. Um, then you have the Lightning, Maple Leafs, Panthers, Sabres and unfortunately the Red Wings uh, closing out the <laughs> Joe Louis Arena coming in last this year in the Yeah. In that, that reminds me uh, of the... The Yankees, when the Yankees did that. Oh, well, so it reminds me of the closing of the, that arena, and the Yankees did that in 2008, and they missed the playoffs. And uh, here we are, the Red Wings. They did 25 years in a row, and then the, the last year in the building, they, that's when the streak the streak finally ends. But, uh, you know, that was yeah. a heck of a playoff run. Oh. And, and you know what? When you look at, you know, that building, you, you can only imagine what was in that building, the history in that building, not just for hockey, but for, you know, the boxing that occurred back then. Yeah, uh, you know, in the seventies. Yeah, um, and then you, know, you look at the uh, the Metropolitan Division, the Capitals with ninety seven points already. <laughs> um, they're trailing uh, Pitch, Pittsburgh's right behind them with ninety five, and the Blue Jackets were a huge turnaround team this year yeah. with ninety four points. 
That's and the Rangers, the Rangers uh, I believe, are one of the wild cards with 90 points. Yeah, and, and uh, the, the Islanders drop off to 77, and uh, Carolina is second to last in that division with 68, and the Devils are 62. Yeah, we, we got a lot of activity on our Whalers Brigade page uh, when uh, Jerry posted the uh, some pictures from the attendance from the Islanders-Carolina game. What was that, uh, Wednesday night or Tuesday night? Uh, actually, it was Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday night. Yeah, and uh, there was just a, it was about eighty seven hundred. They said um, is the listed <laughs> total in uh, ESPN box scores, and uh, you know uh, you just you just have to wonder. Like like I said in the post. Uh, by the way, there was no blizzard down there, so <laughs> I have to wonder where the fans were. No, it must be NASCAR or college basketball because it is March Madness. <sighs> Maybe. But it's it, yeah, it's it's it was it, the attendant the, when you show the uh, you know the seat. I mean, all you see is the red seats everywhere. It's just and you you know you wonder and it's like boy, you know how how much more can they take? And you know that um, you know with with Phoenix saying they're not staying in Glendale and the Islanders saying that they're looking around and then now Carolina's got these empty seats after empty seats. I mean, that's that's a lot of issues to have in one league. You know, they're going to have to you know secure one of these franchises down somewhere. Uh, well, and, you, and, you hear, yeah. and you hear how much it is to you know, that most NHL teams are not turning a profit. Yeah, um, it's for pure entertainment. And you know, look at the Coyotes; they don't have a place to go, and they're last place in the Pacific Division with sixty points. Uh, the only saving grace, uh, unfortunately, for uh, the fans out in Denver is uh, is the Colorado Avalanche are in dead last. They're going to get a hell of a draft pick. Uh, they only have acquired uh, twenty twenty. Uh, I'm sorry, forty. 43 points total. They only have 20 wins this season. Yeah, that's that's really rough. I mean, we even we talk about some of the Whaler attendance issues in the in the early 90s and the early 80s, and and they were you know uh, still doing a lot better than than that. So uh, you know, it's I don't know what to ex- to expect over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, it's it's amazing. You know, when you look at uh, what's going on in each of these uh, these series, uh, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, the other thing that was just reported a little while ago, uh, actually it was yesterday, uh, the NHL loses Dennis Weidman's case versus the uh, NHL Players Association, and the 10-game ban, ban is what that, uh, upheld. So, and, and what did that? What was remind me? What did that guy do again? Was that the guy that hit the ref or no? Yeah, yeah. He needs to go fry his ass. You should be kicked out of the league for hitting the ref. And the way he hit the ref was pure wrong, uh, just because he was frustrated and took it out on a ref. He should have been suspended indefinitely. Yeah, you got to uh, maintain your cool. I mean, yeah, absolutely. You know, listen, the refs are out there. They have a job <coughs> to do uh, and maintain order. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, uh, that's a total disrespect of uh, uh, the authority <laughs> of uh, that, the linesman and that type of thing. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, I, I forgot to mention when we were talking about the teams in the Midwest. Um, you know, it was it was it was bad news for UConn, uh, but Tage Thompson uh, signed a I think it was a two year deal with the St. Louis Blues, and uh, it looks like he he starts off in Chicago with the with the AHL. I think is that uh, he started he started already. It was a three year deal, uh, and yeah. he started with the um, uh, the Chicago Wolves, which is the farm club of the uh, yeah. St. Louis Blues. He started I think last week. Um, and I am looking it up now. Uh, I, I am. Uh, I'm, I'm. I 
feel great for them. Uh, but yeah, their 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 game is our loss, unfortunately. Oh yeah, I know, and, and you got to expect that. You know, I mean, in a way, it's a good thing because you know they got they got two seasons out of them. Uh, you know, also graduating was Evan Richardson, who um, you know got got a suspension in that last game. You know, as we kind of switched to talking about UConn, you know, it's 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 huge loss to lose uh, Tage Thompson and Evan Richardson. Uh, and, uh, you know, of course, Rob Nichols as well. So, I mean, those are those are three big players we watched over the last couple of years. Yeah, but, you know, I think what's going to happen, and, and remember, hey, here's a name for you in the... Uh... Did I lose you? We're defense for them. Uh, you he, cut... played, he, wait. he played for a Wolfpack. Wait, uh, say it again. You cut out for a second. What, did you, what was that you just oh, said? Oh, sorry. Jared, Jared Nightingale is a defenseman with the Chicago Wolves. Oh, that's right. And you know what? And I did see yeah. on Facebook he's doing some kind of clinic where he's uh, teaching kids too. He he's played uh, well over I want to say almost 250 games with the Wolfpack. I mean, he was a long time defenseman there, so he's had uh, you know a long career in the AHL. Last I knew, uh, he was in Syracuse. So I don't. Uh, he must have ended up in Chicago, like you said, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, he's he's a defenseman with uh, with Chicago. Also, uh, Ray Ferraris on Landon. Uh, is uh, playing for them. He's wearing number 13 as a centerman for the uh, Chicago Wolves. And, and now Tage Thompson is wearing number 32, centering the line for the uh, Chicago Wolves. Number 32, huh? Number 32. Yeah, wow. And uh, he's uh, been in two games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so. just just starting out. And, you know, he did have, I mean, he, he without question was UConn's most dangerous player. Uh, you know, the other teams must have absolutely focused on him. Uh, and, and boy, I, I always felt like, uh, and this may sound Homer-ish, but, you know, I always felt like, boy, he got a lot of calls because he was so big that when he hit people and stuff, it just looked like that he hit them harder or in a way that, you know, wasn't nice. But it was, you know, he was he was a force out there. He definitely was a, a cut above the rest, it seemed. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's it's a big loss. Uh, you know, his freshman year, he, he had 14 goals, 18 assists for 32 points through 36 uh, contests, you know. The next year, uh, I'm sorry, the year before that, he played in 89 games, mixed schedule of uh, college, international, junior uh, games, and he had uh, 19 goals, 21 assists, and 40 points before he hit the freshman circuit with UConn. Uh, but, you know, I sometimes I, I want these guys to stick in school a little longer, but, hey, you have a chance to play uh, some hockey. Uh, it's a good thing for, uh, you know, getting into the NHL and, I think uh, because of the size, I think he'll do quite well. Yeah, I mean it, that that is that's you know one of the impressive things. And of course, we we always mention his father coaches the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. Um, so yeah. you know, I guess we won't be seeing him at UConn games maybe anymore. But uh, you know, he it's just uh, it, I don't fault him at all. I would I mean I can't imagine not doing the same thing. You got a chance to play in the premier league of a sport where you know it's only you know what is it maybe five hundred to seven hundred players play in the world yeah. and that's that's it that's an exclusive club uh once you're an nhl or you know you, you could say you were you're at the, the very top so and not to mention the money probably didn't hurt either oh not at all yeah uh, he probably he probably didn't probably didn't kill it but you know what hey yeah. listen he's in the he's getting an nhl contract uh working and, and playing for a nhl club you know at the age he's at this is this is a huge deal for him it's all really most of these guys this is all they've been dreaming about Right, right, and plus he got the, you know, he had some some special grooming. Not only was he, like, you know, the top uh, line on the UConn, but, you know, he got to play with the USA Juniors. Uh, you know, he, he actually did quite well, and, you know, I think he almost got 
close to double digit points in like about five or six games. So he, uh, you know, he, he, he was just proving himself at uh, different levels with uh, different types of players because, uh, you know, once, once he went on that world junior stage, uh, he was competitive with, you know, the best players in the world at that age level. Absolutely. You know, and the one thing that, you know, sticks out besides his great goal scoring and his assists is, you know, when he takes those stupid penalties, I tell you one thing, someone's going to be barking down his throat. Uh, <laughs> on the AHL level, he takes one of those stupid penalties in, in his own zone yeah. uh, or in the opposing zone trying to score a goal. Yeah. Uh, he'll, be, he'll be benched really fast. Yeah, and he can he can now drop the gloves and uh, you know not have to risk uh, school suspension and everything. So uh, <laughs> if if that's his, if he's inclined to, I don't know if that's his style. Matt, no, we've seen no, him. I, yeah, he, he, to me, he doesn't seem like that type of guy. It doesn't mean he won't try to throw his weight around a bit because he is a big guy. Yeah. Um, but it looks like he's more the pushing and shoving, just getting under people's skin type of person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or player. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, it's going to be neat to see him grow, and there'll be another another player that we can follow and really be happy about. You know what UConn is putting out, and 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 Coach Cavanaugh has just done a phenomenal job. Yeah, yeah, really, everything is is going you know according to plan, and it seems like a good recruiter. Uh, you know, we, we always talk about uh, Huska, and he's going to be the goalie for the next you know three years, hopefully. If not, the Rangers pick him up after next year. Maybe we'll see something like that, but. Uh, you know, it was uh, I think it was Brian Burke was the general manager of the Whalers at the time, and he wanted to rebuild the Whalers, and he said you start from the goal out. And so, uh, if that's the case, you know they got Huska, and they can you know you know build from there. Uh, you know, locally, Jerry, and this is like the third period of our show, but we should probably talk about uh, the great last three shows we've had out and about uh, in downtown Hartford, and how uh, receptive uh, the downtown businesses have been to to Whaler Guy Talk and promoting the XL Center. I was, you know, at, at first, you know, we, we've talked about doing it forever. And, you know, now that we have a great producer and Jose Gomez, uh, along with uh, some of the interns, we have Lindsay and Kevin who came out to help us. Uh, we can now achieve what we set out to do, which is going out on location and really uh, looking at these small businesses. Because these guys, you know, work very hard to get these businesses in downtown. And, you know, they're paying a hell of a rent probably. And... You know, they all said the same thing. You know, Jerry at the tobacco shop. We had uh, Chris at the barber shop, And, of course, we had David, the assistant manager at Bear Smokehouse the other night. Uh, all said the same thing. When there's game nights in Hartford or there's events in the, in the XL Center, they benefit from it. They have tons of people coming in, and uh, it, it's a great atmosphere. And I think you heard the same thing. Yeah, I mean... You know, we uh, well, we had we, we've had a blast just everywhere we go. You know, so uh, um, you know, being at Bears, uh, which was last Monday, um, I mean that that place is just really taken off. It's almost uh, it, it, you know, if there's any restaurant downtown that is almost like synonymous with the state now. I mean, everybody in the state knows Bears, and you and I talk about this all the time. We you know we're in the XL Center behind the fan bar. We we count you know there's 30 people waiting in line and. Uh, you know, when we go down to the tobacco shop, there's always, you know, uh, plenty of guys hanging out there, people are coming back and forth from the events. Uh, at the barbershop in Fresno, I'm going to actually get a haircut there. I mean, that was a really nice, that's probably the nicest barbershop I've ever been in. I'll cut it out. You just want a beer while you wait for your haircut. That's just uh, a perk. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good now perk. Remember, what we didn't tell people on the show is that all hooker ale uh, that is served at the barbershop on Pratt Street yeah, professional barbershop. Amen, uh, amen to that. Uh, I'm, I, I'm all for that, you know. And, and that's what we were saying that uh, Jamie McDonald down at Bears, 
you know, he uses a, a local uh, flavoring company for to help, you know, uh, make it, make his meat spicy there and all that stuff. So he does a local company there. And also he had uh, Hosmer Soda, which is over here in uh, Manchester, and they've been around for 100 years. So I'm, I'm all for I'm glad that Hartford's doing that and, and kind of bringing in, you know, the local business flavor so that, you know, it gives Hartford more of an identity, you know. Oh, absolutely. And, and what I saw from the barbershop and the uh, tobacco shop is those are their own communities of uh, whether they're people that work downtown or people that come back after uh, the 5 o'clock crowd is left to have their cigars or beverages in, uh, in uh, the uh, tobacco shop or at Vaughn's. You, you know, it's, it's funny because we've been uh, a lot of times at the uh, downtown after hours, after, you know, the 5 o'clock whistle blows and everyone runs to the suburbs. And we got to meet some really cool people that are from the downtown area that uh, that show us, you know, what it's like after uh, the five o'clock bell rings, you know. Yeah, I mean, for once, I feel like Hartford is not uh, as much of a five o'clock city as it used to be. I mean, it used to be, you know, after five o'clock, you could forget about it. But some places are staying uh, open, and even uh, we just, you know, we went through what was called the a blizzard, Eugene, and uh, you know, some of the restaurants actually stayed open in Hartford. Uh, you know, into the night of the blizzard, uh, serving people food and stuff from the local residents came down and, and actually went to these restaurants. So, you know, that's great. It's the more that Hartford can stay open after five o'clock, the better. Well, you know, as long as people support the small businesses, that's what it's about. I mean, look at us. We're Whaler fans. We are small business because we don't have a team right now. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you were lucky enough to march in the St. Patrick's Day Parade with the Booster Club and the, and the group that, that braved the weather because I was unable to do it because of a, a commitment I had. Yeah. Uh, tell, tell them what happened. Come on, you got to let these fans know that oh. you, well, you, you, put on, you put on your long johns and you were out there. Yeah, and we brought the Bushmill nippers, which, you know, if we didn't have those, uh, you know, maybe the parade wouldn't even gone off at all. Uh, but anyway, we had a little bit of Irish whiskey to keep us warm, and then, uh, you know, we, we tripled and doubled and quadrupled up on the layers, and, uh, you know, believe it or not, uh, any marching band that you would have seen there normally, they, they canceled because, you know, they had children that are under 18, uh, it was just very cold and maybe not the, the best idea to put kids out in that kind of weather, so, uh, you know, the Whalers group was large, and, uh, you know, some of the leaders of the parade came over and said, turn up that brass bonanza as loud as you can, because... You know, there's no one else here. There's no other music. So, uh, and, you know, we, we made it, uh, you know, through there. It was, a, you know, kind of a quick parade. And, you know, crowds were definitely down. But, uh, yeah, the, I think the, the Whaler group got a lot of good. Uh, I mean, we were on every photo you could think of that was coming out of that parade. And, you know, Pucky did a great job. And uh, Brendan Lynch there handed out Bring em Back towels, which is kind of the theme of the whole parade. Everybody was screaming, Bring em Back. Uh, that was that was a pretty good idea. So that, that also came from uh, Joe the Printer down in... Minuteman Press in Bristol. So, uh, you know, everybody pitched in. It was a it was a great parade, and you know, maybe next year the weather will be really nice, and we'll have you know twice as many people. Yeah, and you know, it's always a great time, and then and the other great time we're going to have is on March twenty fifth when we hit the uh, hit the bus and head down to uh, uh, New Jersey to see That's the Devils right. and the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, that'll be very interesting because, boy, I mean, I don't know who to root for in that game. That's going to be a tough game to watch for me. Well, you know, I uh, the other night I turned on the TuneIn app and I uh, I actually listened to the Carolina Hurricanes before I fell asleep and uh, to listen to Chuck Caton, he still got it. He's still doing well. Uh, you know, unfortunately the team wasn't doing too well, but that particular night they had a good uh, a good game. 
But uh, Chuck sounds great. He's still a Hall of Fame announcer, and you know, uh, as much as he's working down in Carolina, I always had I, he'll always have a special place in my heart because he was quite the gentleman. He, he it wasn't just because he was working for the club; he was that type of person, a really good person. Yeah, I mean, I can remember. I mean, that was the one thing that you know. When we were growing up, you know, you, you had a little radio that you would listen to in bed and <laughs> tried not to turn it up so loud your parents wouldn't hear you because we're on the West Coast. Chuck Caton was our lifeline. I mean, it was just, you know, there was no other way to find out what was going on with the Whalers. So, uh, you know, uh, how many times did you go to sleep and you, you had uh, you were listening to Chuck Caton call the game? I mean, growing up, that was, he was the guy. He was, and you know, it was it was your your little special place where, yeah, when you're supposed to be going to sleep, you you'd have Chuck Gate in there, and he'd listen to the Whalers. I remember uh, as a young person, uh, if in fact I couldn't stay up, I would actually put my tape recorder next to my radio, and I re- would record as much as the tape would hold uh, <laughs> to uh, to listen to some of it the next day. Yeah. Uh, and that you know, those those are great moments because when I was that young, we, we had some. We had some rough years, and uh, yeah. you know, and you're, you're dating back to Greg Millen days. Uh, yeah, you know, hell, you know, Al Smith uh, of the New England Whalers, Cap Raider. You know, before you remember, before Chuck Keaton, uh, and you had Bob Newmeyer doing the games, uh, uh, whether it was on WVIT Channel Thirty or on WTIC. Uh, you even had Arnold Dean for a little while doing uh, some play-by-play. Yeah. Uh, so you know that was way back, and yeah, uh, you know. Yeah. And that's what people have to understand. We have such a great, uh, great history of hockey, but people, uh, for the most part, remember only uh, the the NHL eighty six eighty seven season. You know, Mark Rankin, who follows us on on Facebook, uh, posts a lot in the WHA uh, page, and he shares it on the Brigade page. And you know, I thank him for that because people have to realize that you know, at one time, Gordy House centered both his sons, Mark and Marty, on the wings, and yeah. you know that. That's that's phenomenal. You know, we had the the Howe family uh, on one line in Hartford. Yeah, and that was uh, that was even brought up by the NHL in their uh, hundred year anniversary. Uh, one of their you know one of their top moments was uh, you know to ever have a, a father and his two sons on the same line. And, you know, it hasn't happened since. Uh, and it was what March twelfth of uh, was that nineteen eighty? I think it was March twelfth of nineteen eighty. So yeah, that's quite a, quite a while ago. Yeah, but. Uh, you know that was that was, that was that was a special time for believe, Hartford, and now I believe that was the year Gordy came back to to play in his what fifth uh, fifth decade in hockey. Yeah, right, and also it was uh, I, th- I think he was he fifty years old too. So there you go, yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. you know he played he played a full season when he was fifty one years old, and you, you just you know I don't think Yager's going to get there, but he's he's pretty close. But boy, fifty one years old playing eighty games that's just uh, out, outstanding, yeah. really. Oh, oh, it is. I mean, yeah. the guy was the guy was amazing, and yeah. you know, uh, to have to have what he had, and you know, everyone said the same thing about Gordy Howe. He was hecked out on the ice, but when you met him, he was the most down to earth person. Yeah, and you know, and, and, and just the, the number of times I met him and his wife Colleen, they're just wonderful people, and you know, to me, that's that's just awesome. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know anybody who can say that uh, you know that that wasn't a special time, and if they ever did, you know, what we would tell them. We'd tell them to shut your blowhole. Shut your blowhole. <laughs> <laughs> well, we reached about our time, so if you're uh, if you're listening to this, you can follow us on Whalers Brigade on Facebook, uh, at Whalers Brigade on Twitter, and of course, uh, check out YouTube. Uh, type in the Whalers Brigade or the Whalers guy, the Whaler guys at the Whalers Brigade, and you shall see our videos. 
and we'll keep putting them out there. Let's go whale. Jerry, got any final comments? Hey, we are the whaler guys. You guys are the brigade. We're one nation under green, and you guys have a great night.